Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Scripture lesson is also from the book of Job. Job chapter 42, verses 1 to 6, as well as verses 10 to 17. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Then Job answered the Lord, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you declare to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then... There came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before, and they ate bread with him in his house. They they showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, and he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. He named the first Jemima, the second Keziah, and the third Karen Hapak. And all the land, there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father gave them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and his children's children four generations. And Job died, old and full of days. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Something embarrassing happened to me last Tuesday morning. Something embarrassing happens to me most days. But last Tuesday is noteworthy because of why I was embarrassed. Last Tuesday morning I noticed two ladies I didn't recognize outside the church. I guess correctly that they were representatives from the organization helping us put together clean birthing kits for mothers who don't have access to hospitals. These kits help mothers create a sanitary environment to deliver their newborn, whether they are in a thatch hut in Tanzania or in emergency tent in the wake of a hurricane. I proudly greeted these two ladies, led them to Holland Hall, because I remembered that they would be setting up in there. I was impressed with myself for remembering. Then, with authoritative hospitality, I turned the lights on in Holland Hall and noticed the panicked look on their faces. They had set up the day before in here, in the Great Hall, and I had no idea what I was talking about. Have you ever done something like this? Have you ever tried to help someone who didn't need your help? Have you ever done for someone what they had done or could have done for themselves? Obviously, I have, and so has Job, or so he thinks. We just read from the beginning and the end of the book of Job. 
You've heard sermons based on the book of Job for three Sundays in a row. Today is the fourth, and in reading from the beginning of the book and the end of the book, it's possible to see how Job has changed. He's walked the lonesome valley, and it has changed him. From the, chapter, from the first chapter we read, his sons used to go and hold feast in one another's houses in turn, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the feast days had run their course, Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This is what Job always did. What we see here is that Job was in the habit of doing for his children. Every day he tried to save them, only he couldn't. You know what happens next. One day when his daughters and sons were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, while your sons and daughters were eating and drinking, a great wind came across the desert, struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead. I alone have escaped to tell you. Anyone with a heart beating inside his chest would ask why something so horrible would happen to anyone, much less someone so good as Job. Unfortunately, why bad things happen or why bad things happen to good people is not the question that the book of Job answers. What the book of Job does as well illustrates how Job changes. The book of Job shows us what the lonesome valley of suffering does to this man who, even amid tragedy, searches out the face of God. Now, that's maybe not the answer that we all want, We all want to know why there are hurricanes, tragedies, viral pandemics, and genocide. Why are there car accidents and depression? Why do children suffer? Why does racism still exist? Why must the Braves take so long to clinch the pennant? We want an answer to these questions, yet we won't get it on this side of heaven. However, just as important are these questions. What do we learn from suffering, and how is God at work in it? We look to Job and how he changed, because we all must walk the lonesome valley in one sense or another. Even Jesus did. Even Jesus walked this lonesome valley. He had to walk it by himself. Oh, nobody else could walk it for him. He had to walk it by himself. The question I ask this morning is, how does it change Job? What does the Lonesome Valley do for him? If you compare how he was at the beginning of the book, so so worried over his children sinning that he made offerings on their behalf, how did he change by the end of the book? We just read... The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. 
He also had seven sons and three daughters. He named the first Jemima, the second Keziah, and the third Karen Happer. In all the land, there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father gave them an inheritance along with their brothers. Did you hear that? A problem any woman in here ought to have with the Bible is how few women are actually named. In fact, so few women are named in the Bible that when the Bible names one, it really sticks out. It makes you slow down and listen. And in this instance, at the end of the book of Job, the daughters are named, but not the sons. Now that never happens. What's the Bible trying to tell us here? That after all that suffering, Job stopped trying to do everything for his sons and daughters and gave them a means to do for themselves. While in the beginning of Job, Job did everything for them. When they were hungry, Job fed them. If they were bored, he encouraged them to have a big feast. Had they sinned, even unknowingly, Job made a sacrifice so that he could take care of them. Even their mistakes, he took responsibility for. What changed in Job after he walked the lonesome valley? How was he different? Well, if we look at how he was before and how he was after, by the end of the book, it's as though Job has finally accepted, we must walk that lonesome valley. We've got to walk it by ourselves. Nobody else can walk it for us. We have to walk it by ourselves. Isn't that the truth? Now, I don't like to suffer. I never have liked to suffer. But having suffered a little bit here and there, I can tell you it changed me. And while the minuscule suffering I've experienced is nothing compared to that of Job, walking the lonesome valley changed me in a similar way. In 2008, I was an associate pastor at Good Shepherd Presbyterian Church. You might remember that in 2008, the Great Recession hit. The church where I served was hit so hard by the recession that members stopped contributing. They stopped giving, and the session met and projected a 40% budget deficit. What happened next? Well, the senior pastor just left which was good for the budget, but bad for the associate pastor. I was suddenly left holding the bag on a sinking ship. I went to the presbytery office, unannounced, no appointment. I was ushered into the office of the executive presbyter. This is the person who oversees all the churches in a given area. I told him that things weren't so good at Good Shepherd Presbyterian Church. In fact, it might close its doors. And I was the only pastor that they had, yet I didn't know what I was doing. How can I save this church, I asked him. Well, the executive presbyter said to me, Joe, do you know anything about finances? No, sir, I said. In fact, I can't even balance my own checkbook. This was back in the days when people still had checkbooks. And struck by my response, the executive presbyter said to me, 
Well, if you can't balance your own checkbook, what makes you think that you are the one to save this church? This is one of the most important questions that anyone has ever asked me. What makes you think that you are the one to save this church? Had it been Job, it's as though suffering had forced him to ask, what makes you think that you are the one to save your children? He couldn't save them, could he? What could be done then? He could get out of the way. For you must go and stand your trial. You have to stand it for yourself. Nobody else can stand it for you. You have to stand it for yourself. Why? Because that's the way that we grow in faith and anything else. The executive presbyter told me that since I can't balance a checkbook, I ought to get a group of church members who are business owners, accountants, and other financial experts and ask them to help. I, I did that. Guess what happened once I stopped trying to save the church myself and empowered the members of the church? We ended up with a $40,000 surplus. Can you imagine what happened to Job's daughters once he stopped trying to save them and gave them an inheritance? It's like what happens when children are allowed to fail. They learn from their mistakes. It's like what happens when teachers, mentors, or bosses encourage people to grow. It's like what happens when coaches and encourage their players to think. Generals allow their soldiers to think for themselves and make their own decisions. It's like what happens when a person takes a pledge card and fills it out on their own instead of hoping someone else will fund the ministries of this church for them. We're here amid the stewardship season again, and this year the big push is for those who have never pledged before to pledge for the first time. Why? Because nobody else can do this for you. You have to do it for yourself. The world is a place full of trial and hardship. Life is challenge after challenge. Suffering is not the exception, but the rule. So every night, I stand over our daughter's beds, and I pray for them while, while they sleep. You know what's better than that? Teaching them to pray for themselves. For the best gift, it's not the gift that edifies the one who gives, but liberates the one who receives. With this lesson, we conclude our sermon series on the book of Job, a book all about suffering. And while I still find it very hard to believe that the God who knows the number of hairs on my head, who, who stitched me together in my mother's womb, who died on the cross that I would be saved, would ever cause me or want me to suffer, 
I do believe that when we suffer, our eyes are open to see his face on our own and we are changed forever. Something my grandfather told me some years ago when I called to ask him for advice. One of the joys of my old age will be watching you advance in your career, Joe. It always meant so much that he believed in me. He didn't do for me, no. He just always believed that I could. In two weeks, I'll be preaching his funeral. And what will I say? I'll be quoting Job chapter 19. For I know that my Redeemer lives and that at the last he will stand upon the earth. Because, having walked the valley, the faith of my mothers, the faith of my fathers, the faith of my grandmothers, the faith of my grandfathers has become my own. Thanks be to God. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.